Thank you so much. Today we are celebrating Mother's Day. As much as we love our mothers, we know that they are not perfect. Someone sent me a story about a mother who had invited several of her neighbors over for dinner. She had worked all day preparing the meal, and then when it was time to eat, the neighbors had come. They sat at the table. And so she said to her six-year-old boy, son, why don't you return thanks for us? And he said, well, I don't know what to say. She said, well, just say what you've heard your mother say. He said, okay. And he bowed his head and said, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people for dinner? (laughs) So we understand that our mothers, as much as we love them, are sinners just like the rest of us who need forgiveness just like the rest of us. However, we also know how much they love their families. A mother was tucking in her four-year-old son one stormy night as she put him in the bed and covered him up. The thunder was sounding and the lightning was flashing and rain was beating against the window. And so she tucked him into bed and then she turned around to go back into the living room. Just as she sat down, there he was. And he said, Mama, can you sleep with me tonight? And she said, No, son. said, I have to sleep with your daddy. And so he turned around and was leaving the room, and she heard him mutter under his breath, That big sissy. (laughs) A mother's love is sacrificial. First of all, it begins with her sacrificing her body for nine months as she carries us. She increases in size, her ankles swell. A thousand other things of which I know nothing. I do remember when Linda was pregnant with uh, with Stephanie, and and she grew. Uh, she got she she was larger, and and you could tell that she was absolutely miserable. And someone said to her once, uh, "Do you want a do you want a boy or girl?" She said, I don't care if it's a 9 by 12 rug. I just want to have something. (laughs) So we understand that they begin by sacrificing their bodies. They sacrifice their dreams so that their children's dreams can be fulfilled. Today I want us to look at a mother in Scripture. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, beginning in verse number 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having departed. This woman was possibly a widow and probably a single mom, And as we look at her, there are some things that we learn from her, the first being a mother's sensitivity. I don't believe that there is any other creature who has the sensitivity as does a mother. 
First of all, she is sensitive to God. I, I know that I tease Linda a lot, but I also know that she is far more sensitive to God than am I. Mothers have this sensitivity to the Lord. They hear the Lord when He speaks. They listen for His voice. I have discovered through the years that usually when a family is struggling with the issue of tithing, whether or not that is what they are going to do as believers, usually it seems to me that it is the woman first who comes to the conclusion that this is scriptural and this is what we ought to do. She's sensitive to the Lord. I've also noticed through the years when there is a young couple and the Lord is speaking to their hearts about ministry, it seems to me that usually it is the wife who first hears the call of God. You see, a woman is someone who normally is sensitive to God. She hears the voice of God. She is also sensitive to the needs of her family. Now, as I'm sure you're like I am, when I come home from work and you've had a long day's work, you come in the door, my wife is standing there waiting with a glass of tea to give to me. And then she takes me into the living room and, and sits me down in the, in the recliner and, and she, she puts it up and, and takes off my shoes and says to the children, don't bother your dad, he's been working hard all day. Um, maybe it wasn't quite that sensitive, but that is a thought, Linda. They are sensitive to the needs of their family, to their husband, to their children. I was amazed. I was thinking back on when Linda and I were young marrieds, and sometimes several of us would get together, and, and the children would be somewhere playing back in the back or something, doing something, and as we're sitting there talking and so forth, and then you'd hear a child cry out. Or... Now, to the guys, it was just some kid crying. Uh, we didn't know who it was or anything else, but the mother of that child always knew who it was. She recognized the voice of her child. Sensitive to her children. I don't know how they do that, but sensitive to their children. The truth is, probably none of us would have ever gotten through the teenage years had it not been for our mothers. Eugene Barton wrote, Mother Nature is Kind. She gives us 12 years to develop a love for our children before turning them into teenagers. And so a mother is sensitive. She's sensitive to God. She hears God. She's sensitive to the needs of her family. But she also is a safeguard for the family, isn't she? I mean, she protects her family. I remember when uh, Eric was in Little League football. He didn't start one game. My wife was there. As soon as that game was over, she went up to the coach and began telling the coach what a terrible mistake he had made not putting him in to start. Now, she doesn't know a thing about football. She would ask me, what inning are we in? But she doesn't know a thing about it. But she just knew that her son did not start that game. And then when Stephanie was a little girl, she was playing basketball. And uh, whenever she came over and the coach grabbed her by the ponytail, and I saw the coach grab her by the ponytail, and immediately I grabbed Linda because I knew we're going to have a woman down on the floor and it's not going to be a pretty sight. But see, that's a mother. A mother protects her children. She protects them physically. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, you'll have to read it because I'm not going to go into it, but it's a story about Rizpah. And her sons had been hung. 
And the Bible tells the story about this little mother who would guard the bodies of her sons, chasing away the beast by night and the birds by day, protecting the bodies of her child. And I thought about that so many times, that what a picture of a mother that is, as she protects the physical needs of her children, she protects them morally, and God bless you for doing that. From drugs and alcohol that is destroying so many of our young people today. It is mothers against drunk driving. And I thank the Lord for those mothers who protect their children morally. It is mothers who are interested in what is on the Internet and the dangers that are there. And young people, that's the reason your mom oftentimes is coming up behind you to see what you're watching, because she is simply protecting you. I know that you think that it's nosy, but she is concerned about you. She protects you morally. A mother protects her children spiritually. Catherine Booth, the wife of William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, said, I refuse to go to heaven without my children. What a tremendous commitment. And mothers, I would recommend that to you. I refuse to go to heaven without my children. Don't ever let Satan have your kids. Whatever it takes, you, you protect those children, not only physically, not only educationally, not only morally, but you protect them spiritually. I refuse to go to heaven without my children. I know that in our society, the role of mother is somewhat demeaned, and women are told that if you want to have a, a fulfilled life, if you, if you really want to matter, if you want to be satisfied in life, then you need some kind of a professional career. Perhaps you do, perhaps you don't. But let me say this to you. I think the deepest satisfaction is in the role of being a mother. My daughter said to me some years ago, I have the greatest job in the world, that of being a mother. So as I look at this passage of Scripture, I see, first of all, a mother's sensitivity. She is sensitive to the needs of her family. She is sensitive to the voice of God. But then I also see a mother's spirit, and a Christian mother has the same spirit of Christ, which is a, a spirit of humility. The Bible says of Jesus in Philippians 2.8, And being found in appearance as a man, he, speaking of Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the spirit of Christ. Matthew Henry wrote, Those that would obtain mercy from Christ must throw themselves at His feet, must refer themselves to Him, humble themselves before Him, and give up themselves to be ruled by Him. This woman was humbled. You'll notice there in verse number 25, but after hearing of Him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at His feet. Humility demonstrated as she fell at His feet. Being a parent brings about humility, doesn't it? Both the mothers and fathers. Lord Rochester wrote, before I got married, I had six theories about bringing up children. Now I have six children and no theories. Sometimes their questions confuse us. We don't know what they mean. We don't know what they're talking about. little boy asked his mom, I said, Mama, where did I come from? Well, she'd been anticipating that day. 
She told him about the birds and the bees. She told him about the gestation. She told him about the delivery. She told him everything. She looked at him. His eyes were big as saucers. And he said, oh. He said, Jimmy came, said he came from Cincinnati. I was just wondering where I came from. <laughs> Sometimes we, we don't know what they're asking. Another little boy came in. He said to his mom, he came in from school. He said, Mom, I have two pieces of candy. And she said, well, then you're going to give one of them to your brother, aren't you? He said, no. She said, why not? He said, I don't have enough. She thought it was time to teach him a spiritual lesson. And she said, well, if, if Jesus had two pieces of candy, what do you think he would do? And he said he'd make two more pieces and give them to his brother. Sometimes we are dumbfounded with our children. We really don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes our children, we think that they think we know what we're doing, but we usually don't. And they can embarrass us. They get us in positions. Have you ever been embarrassed? Because, you see, all of that brings about humility to a parent. They embarrass us. Church was going on. A little boy was sitting next to his mother, and rather loudly he whispered, if we give him the money now, do you think he'll let us go? <laughs> Little Tommy was in church with his family, and as they were seated listening to the pastor's sermon, he began to cry, and his mama turned to him and said, Tommy, what's the matter? He said, well, the, the preacher said he wanted the children to, to grow up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you. So... <laughs> Being a parent is a humbling experience. I mean, if you have children, it brings about humility, and humility was a characteristic of the Lord. Also, she was a reverent woman. The Bible says she fell at his feet. You know why? Because she knew the needs of her daughter. She knew what the need of her daughter was. And she believed that Jesus was the answer to her needs. And so she came not only in humility, but also in reverence. And she was desperate. Look at verse number 26. Now, the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. You know, it says that, and those are the two words that really captured my attention in this passage of Scripture. She kept asking. She kept asking. I wonder how many of us are saved how many of us know Jesus as Savior? Because we had a mother who kept asking. She kept asking. W.P. Mackey was going to college. And as he was about to leave for college, his mother bought him a Bible and gave to him. This was years ago. He went to college, and while he was there, he got in the wrong crowd. He began to drink. He began to do some things that were not in accordance with the way he had been brought up. His mother kept praying for him. She kept praying for him, asking the Lord to restore him. He graduated from college. He went to medical school, became a, a doctor. And one day he went in to see one of his patients who was in the hospital room, and he saw a Bible that was lying there on the table. He thought he recognized it because he had taken his mother's Bible, the, mother, the Bible that his mother had bought him earlier, and pawned it one day to buy whiskey. And he looked at that Bible, and sure enough, inside the leaf was the note written by his mother. He said that he went back to his office, he fell on his knees, and he repented of his sin. 
And then God called him to preach, and he spent the rest of his life preaching the gospel. She kept asking. Mamas don't ever stop asking. Keep asking. I know that there are some of you who have been asking about your son, asking about your daughter for years. Keep asking. At this point, some of you would say, I have struggled, I have prayed, I have done everything I know, and my son or my daughter is still in the far country. Keep asking. When I look at this woman, she kept asking Jesus, and she was unwilling to accept no for an answer. Look at verse number 27. He was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. She was unwilling to accept no as an answer for her daughter. Jesus, my daughter, is sick. My daughter has a demon. And I want you to minister and to heal my daughter. And when Jesus hesitated, the Bible says that she kept asking. And she would not take no for an answer. When I look at this woman, she had a sensitive spirit. She also had a godly spirit. Then there's the mother's secret. Because she knew the secret of love. She knew the importance of love. She knew the impact of love. A French writer wrote of 69 monarchs who have worn the French crown. Only three have loved the people. And all three were reared by their mothers without the intervention of pedagogues. When I look at this woman, I see someone who loved her daughter. And she wanted her daughter to be delivered. And I began to think about the love of a mother because of the importance of it, because of the impact of it. A mother's love. A mother's love, first of all, is authentic. It's not, it's not like the love that you read about in the tabloids at the supermarket. Mother's love is real. It might aggravate you at times, but it is real. And you know something, parents? A child knows the difference. The child knows whenever your love is real or whenever you are simply using the child for your own needs. A mother's love is authentic. It's real. A mother's love is attentive. She listens. And a part of love is listening. It's not always giving instructions. It's listening. Listen to the child. Listen to what they say. It is attentive. A mother's love is affirming because she affirms the good qualities of that child. I've, I've thought about my own mother and my own life and the way that I grew up and so forth. And my mother was a, a person who believed deeply in me. And I remember her saying so many times, you can be anything you want to be, you can do anything you want to do. But she affirmed the good qualities of my life. And we tried to do that with our children, telling them that we trust in them. That we believe in them. That they are children of God and we believe that they are going to do right. You see, a mother's love affirms the child. We, we don't always just, just scold the child, but affirm them. Affirm the good qualities of their life. 
A mother's love is affectionate. She's the one who hugs them and loves them and kisses them and does all those things that she does. Isn't that a beautiful thing whenever you see a mother and a child comes running up and they love them? Now I wonder how many kids have been kept off drugs because of a mother's hugs. Just loving them. She's affectionate. A mother's love is available. She's available to the child, to their interests. Children, young people, some, some of you have been blessed with mothers who go to your ball games. You think she's there because she's really that interested in baseball? Do you? She's interested in you. Your mom helps you with the projects that are given to you at school. Do you think she's really fascinated by that project? She's fascinated by you. You see, that's a mother. A mother is someone who is attentive to the needs of the child and available to the needs. She's available to the endless questions that you have. How many times has she heard them? But that's a mother's love. And love, I believe, and I look at this woman, I believe that love is, is measured. Real love is measured, especially by the child. In the difficult times and in the little things of life. I look at this woman. Her life was not easy. She was a woman who lived in a man's world. She was a Gentile in a Jewish area. She was single with a sick child. It was not an easy life for her to love this child. And mothers, your children measure your love in the difficult things and in the little things. Pete Rose's daughter, most of you will know Pete Rose, baseball player, but his daughter said that he was a crummy father. When he was told that, he responded, what does she mean, a crummy father? I'm a great father. Well, just last week, I bought her a brand new Mercedes. And you know, sometimes that's what we think, that we think that, that our child is interested in a brand new Mercedes, or they're interested in the latest gadget, or they're interested in this, or they're interested in that. Let me tell you something, in the long haul, they're not. Parents, they're interested in you. They're interested in a word of affirmation from you. They're interested in a hug from you. They're interested in discipline from you. In the long run, the child is not interested in all the things we think we have to give them. They are interested in you and your love for them. And let me say to, to you that that kind of love, not trying to give them everything in the world, we've ruined our kids by doing that. Because we have substituted things for ourselves when what the child wants is you. When you give them yourself and that kind of love, that kind of love has an influence and an impact on their lives. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that in you as well. Timothy, the faith that is in you 
The faith that is in you was first in your grandmother. It was in your mother. And it's in you. Parents, let me say to you, mothers, let me say to you, that kind of love, that kind of of commitment will influence your child more than anything else you're going to give them. Linda and I were in Boston some years ago. We went through Trinity Church where Phillips Brooks pastored for many years. Phillips Brooks, one of the great pastors of his time. When he went to the university, he said that he came home one weekend, and while he was home, his mother was preparing dinner, and he said to her, Mom, I don't believe in God. She didn't say anything. She just continued cooking. So he said it again, Mom, I don't believe in God. She looked at him and smiled and said, Very well, Phillips, but your mother does. He said it was his mother's faith that brought him back to his faith. It was his mother's faith that affected and influenced his life. And he became one of the great preachers of his time. So I was thinking about this morning, celebrating Mother's Day. Looking at this woman who kept asking Jesus, to minister to the needs of her daughter. I was wondering, this is the question that was in my mind. How many of you are beneficiaries of a mother's prayer who's been praying for you for years, perhaps? And today God wants to answer her prayer concerning you. That you are here without Jesus Christ to save your mother's been praying for you. Wanting you to know Jesus as Savior. And today the Holy Spirit is drawing you. There are some of you perhaps who who have been brought up in a Christian home and the church and all those things, but you've strayed away, you've gotten in other things, and your mama kept praying for you. And today God wants to answer that prayer. That you come in repentance of sin that the fellowship with God might be restored. I wonder how many. Our Father, I come to lift this congregation up to you. I don't know their hearts, but I know that you do. And I know that many of them have been blessed by a mother who faithfully prayed for them. And Lord, today your Holy Spirit is guiding some of them to trust Jesus, to join the church, to rededicate their lives to you. And I pray that they might. Father, I just lift up this invitation to you. And as the lady kept asking, so we keep asking. Father, today intervene in the lives of people to change their lives. I ask in Christ's name. Amen.